0: Hello and welcome to the GTI News Brief. It's Wednesday, March 10th, and here are a few of the top stories from the world of trade and trade finance this week. Industry insiders are hopeful that access to funding and insurance will remain resilient across the wider supply chain finance market, despite the disastrous collapse of London-based bear Greensill. There had been hopes that despite Greensill filing for administration, private equity investors would be able to salvage the company's SCF business, which sources describe as robust and insulated from the activities of Sanjeev Gupta's company, GFG Alliance. However, serious doubts are arising over that proposed acquisition, opening up the possibility that other SCF providers and funders could be called upon to step into the gap left by Greensill's collapse. Trade finance transactions on Triterras' blockchain-based Kratos platform can be viewed publicly without any specialist knowledge or equipment GTR can reveal. Shares in the Singapore-based fintech plummeted in January after a short-seller report produced by hedge fund Phase 2 Partners claimed nearly two-thirds of Kratos transactions between June 2019 and August 2020 were carried out by companies controlled by all linked to Triterras directors. Reassuring investors about those claims, Triterras founder and chief executive Srinivas Koneru told investors they were the result of coordinated market manipulation. However, since then, GTR has undertaken its own research into cross Kratos transactions during that period and can reveal that trade data, including buyers, sellers, cargo type, cargo volume and transaction value, are all publicly visible without specialist knowledge or equipment. SWIFT has integrated the International Chamber of Commerce's Sustainable Trade Finance Guidelines into its KYC registry, effectively creating an independent environmental, social and governance reporting repository for companies around the world. The tie-up, which GTR first reported last year, means that corporates with multiple banking partners will no longer have to provide ESG information in differing formats through bilateral exchanges, which is costly, time-consuming and inefficient. Instead, the inclusion of the ICC's guidelines on the KYC registry provides an industry standard that means corporates will only need to complete and update a single form that they can then share with their banking partners. The supply chain finance sector has been rocked in the past couple of weeks by the sudden and dramatic demise of Greensill. Having lost insurance cover in early March, Greensill then saw billions of dollars in financial backing from the likes of Credit Suisse suddenly withdrawn. The firm has since filed for insolvency. Earlier, I spoke to senior reporter John Baskell, who's covered this explosive saga extensively, about the reasons behind Greensill's sudden collapse and to find out where the industry goes from here.
1: First of all, generally speaking, supply chain finance works by letting suppliers get paid early on their invoices, while the buyer who's approving those invoices uh, can do so and can pay on its normal terms or extended terms. So for the suppliers, they might be accepting a slight discount on the invoice amount, but they get that money right away. Uh, And then for buyers, they can hold on to their working capital for another 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, um, or whatever the arrangement is. The supply chain finance provider would be there sat in the middle funding those initial supplier payments uh, and collecting repayment from the buyer later on. Uh, Greensill was one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, companies outside the traditional banking sector that was involved in this. Um, So it had some sort of high profile corporate buyers like Vodafone, Rio Tinto, uh, Nissan and so on. But the reason it had grown so large isn't because of those supply chain finance programs. It had been providing billions of dollars in financing to um, GFG alliance companies. So this kind of loose network of companies linked to Sanjeev Gupta, who's who's best known here in the UK uh, as the owner of Liberty Steel. so one issue there was overexposure to what was ultimately a, a single client. But another issue was Greenhill was, was taking kind of sub investment grade debts. So not those programs supporting investment grade companies like Vodafone, Rio Tinto, um, uh, lower quality corporates than that. And it was packaging those debts up as investment products in themselves. The reason those products were considered relatively safe investments, um, was because they had trade insurance, uh, trade credit insurance cover, which effectively added a layer of protection if something went wrong, and these products would generate high yields uh, for 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 the investors.
0: John, could you outline how the crisis started last week and some of the main events that followed?
1: So there had been concerns around the exposure of Greensill to Gupta-related businesses for a while. Um, and there are deep rooted problems there, but the whole kind of collapse that we've seen in the last uh, week or so was triggered when that trade credit insurance cover that I, that I mentioned before um, just fell away overnight. So the insurance company involved was the bond and credit company, so BCC, um, which is a, an Australian insurer. Uh, it was acquired by Tokyo Marine in 2019. The kind of simplified explanation is that BCC slash Tokyo informed Greensill last summer that it didn't intend to renew the policies, the insurance policies covering Greensill customers. Uh, So that applied to more than four and a half billion dollars in cover. It was around 40 clients. Um, There are some interesting kind of subplots to that insurance story. Um, One thing BCC uncovered is that an individual within the company had signed off on policy limits far in excess of his authority and the company uh, was running an internal investigation into that. Um, Another interesting event was Greensill taking the insurers to court on Monday evening last week, uh, a kind of last-ditch attempt to get an out-of-hours court ruling forcing uh, renewal of those policies, but Greensill lost that case. Um, What happened then was um, Without insurance cover for these relatively high risk underlying activities, the funders no longer had confidence in the investment products Greensill had been selling them. Um, So Credit Suisse announced again last Monday that it was freezing two investment funds that Greensill had been reliant on. um, And they provided around, I think, a little over $10 billion in funding to to Greensill. Um, Other investors followed. Um, like SoftBank in Japan. And essentially the end result was Greensill was suddenly left without funding, without insurance cover and at risk of insolvency. And
0: John, what happens now to Greensill supply chain finance business after all of this?
1: This is still an open question um, as we're recording this. So the key thing is Greensill's been trying to sell its kind of mainstream supply chain finance business. So that's the the Vodafone Rio Tinto kind of business that I, that I mentioned earlier, and not the GFG Alliance Sanjeev Gupta business. Um, at first, uh, so this was up sort of Tuesday last week, Greensall had hoped to avoid insolvency um, uh, it, by selling that part of the business onto a private equity investor um, called Apollo. Um, then the idea sort of changed to Greensill would file for insolvency um, and sell that business as a as a prepack. But in that scenario, essentially, the supply chain finance business would have been able to carry on as before, um, as long as funders remained on the programme. Um, but as we speak now, there are serious doubts about whether that deal will go ahead. Um, right now, we have a, a story going to press about this issue. Um, from what we've heard, the problem relates to the role of Taulia. Another supply chain finance uh, provider in some of the programs that Greensill was funding. So, so Talia, um, their platform allows suppliers to request early payment, and then that payment will be funded by external partners. Um, Talia historically had a a close relationship with Greensill around funding, um, uh, but it employs a a multi-funding model and it's formed partnerships in, in. in recent months with other institutions such as um, JP Morgan and, and Unicredit. Um, because those suppliers are ultimately as clients, um, it sounds like there are concerns that other funders could step into those transactions um, where Seal had previously provided the funding, or those customers could be could be moved away from GreenSeal's funding, even if the deal did go ahead. Um, so sadly, if that business um, if that part of the business isn't saved by acquisition, then um, that would mark the end of the only part of its business that was looking salvageable and you're looking at bankruptcy and and job losses. Um, Those buyers on those programs are gonna be investment grade corporates. So you would imagine they wouldn't have too much trouble finding alternative supply chain finance programs. Um, There may be a bit of a gap on the supplier side. Um, If a new funder has to carry out KYC on all those suppliers, um, but essentially the question now is is who's gonna step into Green Seals shoes.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the GTR News Brief. We'll have more stories from the world of trade and trade finance soon. The music used for this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod with his track Loopster, as well as
1: South London Hi-Fi with their track Sunrise Drive. Thanks for listening.